Hey guys, it's Allie for the Hollywood Life Podcast, and we are kicking off another episode today uh, talking about some news in entertainment, talking about what's going on. And I'm with my fabulous co-host, Bonnie Fuller. Hi, Bonnie. Hey, Allie. Yeah, lots to talk about as usual. These uh, Hollywood stars, they don't exactly stay quiet, do they? Um, So, I mean, to kick it off today, we have, it's a weird topic. It's an uncomfortable topic, in my opinion. Uh, Pretty much all of the, and I can say older men, all of the older men of Hollywood, and I say all of, there's two, are having babies with their young girlfriends. It's pretty much what we're finding right now. So last week, Robert De Niro announced that he has welcomed his seventh child with his young girlfriend, Tiffany Chen. And he's 79. 79. And then just... Today, we're hearing that uh, Al Pacino, 83-year-old Al Pacino, is about to welcome his fourth child with his 29-year-old girlfriend. Noor, yeah. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not sure why you're uncomfortable. I mean, listen, it's, not, it's, it's like not that weird that older men hooking up with younger women. And the thing is, is that you know, if it's a second marriage or a girlfriend, like they still want to have kids, even though the older man may already have a family. But, you know, it does seem to be kind of a trend the last few years in Hollywood, because there was David Foster also, who was in his, I think, early 70s. And he had, he has a, probably the babies too now with Catherine McPhee, who's in I think she's 38 or 39 now. And of course, Mick Jagger is infamous. He's 79. And I think he's got a three or four year old. And he's also got a young girlfriend in her early 30s. So it seems like there's kind of been a rush on it. But it's not like we haven't seen older men, quite a lot of older men marrying younger women. And then, yeah, they have kids. I'm not going to condemn it because you're making a face. Okay, all you listeners, Allie's just scrunching up her nose. Clearly, she has no interest in dating a really older man, like who's old enough to be your grandfather. But I'm not going to condemn it because, hey, love is love is love. And you've got to accept all kinds of love. And I kind of see it empowering when we see women that are older. Now, not that much older, like in their 80s, marrying younger guys. But, you know, we've got some women who are in their 40s, who marry 20-year-olds, and we kind of go rah-rah. So I can't really condemn older men from having babies. These men can afford to take care of these kids. Like these children will, you know, be well taken care of for the rest of their lives. Okay, Scruncher, what do you have to say then, Hallie? (laughs) I just, like, it's just, I can't, my friends and I actually talk about this a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we'll be walking down the street or, you know, at a party or something. And, you know, some like grandpa will come in with like, you know, a young woman on his arm. And you just like, I just don't understand the like, like the interest, like from the woman's perspective, like they're not like looking at this guy being like, wow, he's like a smoke show, like. He's so hot, like you that like, or something is wrong with you. Like I just, unless they're looking at them and they're like, wow, they're really going to take care of me because they have a lot of money. Like that's the only thing. And like, that's not right. 
<laughs> well, I have to say, I do think that the bank accounts must be an attraction. Hey, let, remember Anna Nicole Smith, when she was yeah. probably in like her very early 20s, if not even like 19, 19. still, and she married an, a, guy, a man who was in his 80s. Um, and that, and he was really older, like, you know, look at Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, David Foster. I mean, these are men who are still in their creative prime. They're busy, they're working, they've got projects, they're, uh, you know, it's not like they are retired from life. Like they, they kind of are making it seem, and same with David Foster. I mean, he's still busy as can be um, working. And so it's not like maybe these men feel like, you know, they're in the prime of their lives. And maybe these women see that too. Like, so it's not just money. It's kind of, they're attracted to the power dynamic that these guys have huge careers and are so accomplished. I think that can be very seductive as along with the bank accounts. I don't just say that about Anna Nicole Smith. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're right about that. It's not like these men are sitting in like their retirement homes in Florida. Like, not do you know golfing every day where they're like woman gets like Botox and like all this stuff like they're <laughs> working they're traveling they're being creative and like they're still they they probably have like very like I see when it comes to De Niro and Pacino at least like they're really smart men and like they have like you could have good conversations with them I'm sure so maybe that's well, and same with David Foster, for sure. And Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I see that. I just, the, then the baby thing, like, I just kind of feel like that's like unfair to the child, like that your dad's 80. You know, like yeah. that's hard and sad. I, I think, listen, I think that is definitely a consideration that this child's not going to have that long with their parent. I mean, even if Al Pacino lives to be 103, which is possible, um, he'll, well, he'll be 20. It's still young to lose your father. And and like to not have them be like so active and like participatory and like things, you know what I mean? Which maybe they wouldn't have been anyway, because they're working and jet setting and running around. Like, I can't imagine Mick Jagger was like, very present in any of his kids' lives and like sitting sidelines at Little League and stuff. But I don't know. It's it's definitely like always a conversation amongst kids, like when you're young about your parents being like but if they're know, older. Amongst the thing, the, for these kids, it's going to be normal for them. Like they're, it's going to be normal that they have an older father there. So it's not going to seem weird to them. And I, I, I have to say about Mick Jagger, apparently he's surprised, like he's surprisingly close to his kids and like his son, Gabriel, I follow him on Instagram and it, Gabriel's got to be about 18, 19, maybe even 20 now, but Mick was you know, almost 60 when he had him because he's 79 now. And he's really close to his dad and his dad does spend time to him. And he even looked like grew up in Brazil or Argentina. And yet his, you know, you see him, you see him with his dad and he and his dad do trips together. So I'm not sure, like you can have uninvolved fathers that are a lot younger yeah, do little league and that are too busy with work to pay attention to their kids. You also have fathers that drop dead when they're younger. So I don't know. Well, happy for them. 
Yeah. <laughs> there are, and listen, there's mothers now, there's women who are in their 60s who, um, you know, have borrowed eggs and have babies. So I don't know, I'm, I'm being open-minded about this. And uh, so maybe, but since these people are trendsetters, maybe we're going to start to see a lot more. Well, I know it's weird that it's been so back to back. Like you're so right about that. And like, you know, I mean, Madonna's dating a younger guy, Cher, AE, like they're not together anymore, but like, you know, things are. I'm going to cheer it, like we cheer it on, like go girl, why not? So I guess we'll see. As long as you've got like, if these, you have something in common, like or a fair bit in common then it, and it's a good relationship, but I, I mean, these women are young enough. They're going to be around who is, uh, who's in, she's Al Pacino's girlfriend. She obviously likes younger, I mean, older men, because apparently she was, let's see, linked before to some other very, um, elderly act people. She dated Mick Jagger as well. And she was linked to Clint Eastwood, who's 93. She likes a really older man. Yeah. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio with his younger woman. Yeah, that's but true. This this lady. I mean, well, you know, we're talking about these older men having kids and their presence in their lives while we actually also just were talk. uh, you know, there's some news coming out about Britney Spears. And uh, Kevin Federline and their two kids, Kevin Federline filed um, like a custody motion to be able to uh, bring the kids to, to move to Hawaii and have permission to do that with the kids. And Brittany has like only like a few hours to respond. And he says that they, he, that Brittany hasn't seen them in over a year. Yeah, it's really sad. It's a really, really sad situation. Her sons are 17 and 16. Um, Kevin has had full legal custody for many years, like ever since she, um, since I guess before she was actually put under conservatorship by her father. And so he's really raised them. And, but she used to see them more when much more when they were younger, but, uh, you know, he claims, and actually they did an interview with him on British TV. It was very strange where they said they didn't approve of Brittany, um, the kids, in all the topless pictures that she's posted, like the very sexual um, kind of seductive type pictures that she's posted on her Instagram that they're not comfortable with that, which you can understand boys of, you know, teenage boys would be really, could be really uncomfortable with. Um, It's just really sad that they have not like kind of had a, a reproachment like, uh, and I don't know that Kevin has encouraged that. And I think if he hasn't, then I kind of, I'm critical of him because I think it's important that, that kids have a relationship with both parents. I mean, she, if a, if a parent is loving, not abusive, I mean, you don't want anyone who's a domestic abuser to be having access to their kids, but I mean, you know, Brittany wants a relationship, I'm sure. Agreed. I think that like you said, it's very sad. Um, and you know, they obviously weren't present at her wedding and things have been very tumultuous since then. Um, but what's interesting about this situation right now is that Brittany, you know, like you said, Kevin has had custody for years and, um, 
he is like able to to move with the kids he's kind of doing like this favor for to Brittany to like just get her approval and they do need her approval but it shouldn't be like such a difficult thing I guess and apparently there's just been emails back and forth saying like from the lawyer oh Brittany's okay with it but they haven't necessarily been able to get like Brittany to say that it's okay and to go ahead and so I just think that's very odd and like why isn't she able to like speak for herself in this situation like I just there's a lot still that's so weird this post-conservativeship world that she's living in yeah well um I've got empathy for her because I think she's just had such a terrible time for the 13 years that she was under the thumb of this conservatorship and yeah. think that it just, you know, compounded issues that she may have had, but, you know, Kevin, Kevin's wife got a job in Hawaii. So, and I don't think he works. They've got a lot of kids between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got a lot of kids. Cause he also has two kids with Shar Jackson, mm-hmm. who he was together with before he was with Brittany. So he's got two with Shar, two with Brittany, and he, I don't know, he may have four with, with his current wife. It's a lot of children to take care of. So he's kind of a full-time dad. Yeah. Um, so they probably need the money of, even though he gets money from Brittany, they probably need the money of his wife working. For sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, living in Hawaii is not a bad life and they should be able to move like, you know, when, wherever they, they would like to move. It's just, um, kind of getting this approval. And, I, and I'm curious, you know, Brittany did just say that she reconciled with her mom, Lynn. Yes. Um, they both had really concerned, nice. which is very nice to hear. Um, so maybe Lynn, because I know, I do believe that Lynn is close with Brittany's sons. Maybe that will be like another step into um, fixing that relationship. You know, I think that the fact that Brittany reconciled with her mom after all the things that were pretty negative that Brittany said about her mother and the betrayal that she felt from her mother. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we know enough detail about what her mother's role was in this conservatorship. Um, So you could understand why Brittany had feelings, you know, if she didn't, if she felt that her mother supported her father and wasn't there for her. But it it does show the power of motherly love that her mother didn't stop trying to reconcile despite everything that Brittany said in public. And Brittany's now glad. So I'm I'm you know, family is still important and very important. And I think that when Brittany's sons are a little older, more mature, maybe they yeah. will come to have more empathy for her and for what she went through and be able to understand why she did what she did. So there's hope if she can reconcile with her mom, there's hope she can reconcile with her sons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, you know, can discover like as they get older, their own truths as to what happened with her versus what they're probably being fed by their dad or have heard, or they know, you know, about from their, her dad and, you know, they can like become old enough to realize it on their own a little and, and get their own story. Like almost like how Prince Harry did a little bit. Right. And listen, we know things are not black and white. There's a lot of shades of gray. 
totally. And, you know, but when you're young, sometimes that's all you see is the black and white. And what you're told. Yeah, exactly. Um, but listen, Brittany loves Hawaii. So yeah. maybe she'll just spend a lot more time in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Bonnie, let's talk about some of this ongoing Kardashian news because the Kardashians new season kicked off on Hulu. Um, and a lot of news was coming out of that. And a lot of like people were put like a microscope almost back onto the Kardashians. So I feel like we've been a little Kardashian news list for a little bit. <laughs> um, so one of the things that came out of the premiere, of course, was Chloe revealing her son's name, her newborn son's name, which is Tatum. Yeah, um, I like it. And it's so cute. And now she's just been sharing some cute photos of him um, on the gram. And Tatum Thompson, that's a cute little name. Yeah, true and Tatum. Very cute. I like it. Um, now, also something that's coming out. So in the first episode, Kim was very downtrodden about her split from Pete, um, but also felt like it was kind of the right thing to do. But she was kind of going through this whole list of like what she wants in a man. And it was like very specific. She was wanted a lot of things. She is looking for it protection. She said, number one, protect me. Number two, fight for me. Number three, good hygiene. Uh, (laughs) Calm, no mom and dad issues, patient, supportive, genuinely happy for me, successful, good teeth. She said, good teeth are one of her biggest (laughs) turn-ons. Huh. Well, Uh, it's kind of like some of these things, like good hygiene, good teeth. Like you kind of think that today most men have good hygiene. Like that's kind of a basic. I think you'd be surprised, Bonnie. Uh, It's more like an American thing. It's to have good teeth, but Brits don't necessarily care about teeth. That's true. Um, She also said that she wanted her family and friends to love him and that for him to be a good role model for her kids, especially that her boys can look up to. That's Which a good is, point. Really, is good a really point. good point, especially because you know Robert, like her father, isn't around as a grandfather. Um, you know, and there aren't that many. Like, I wouldn't be like, look up to Tristan Thompson. Um, no. You know, she wants or Kanye. Let's just say oh, well, it or Kanye. That, well, definitely not Kanye. That yeah, was all definitely not Kanye. Um, she continued and she said, taller than me, someone that loves to work out, motivated, an independent person that's not clingy someone with good taste, no balding, uh, smart, kind, great manners. That's into self-care. She like continue. She, it was, I was saying like very long. Yeah. A long list. Chills together can read a room. Like she mentioned the good teeth again. She really has like a lot of, a lot of wants, which like, I think when you're in your forties and you're dating, like you're allowed to, because you know what you want. Like, I think it's a very good thing to know what you want. But I'm the, the first things that she said, I thought were really interesting that she wants someone who can protect her. And what, what was the second one? It was also very similar. Fight, fight for her. Fight for her. In that, what does she mean by that? Like protector? Does she mean literally like security that she feels that when she goes out, you know, there's, between fans and, you know, people who are trolls and don't like her, that she doesn't feel physically safe? Does she mean emotionally protect her? I kind of think she means, and like, this is kind of crazy, but like, in a way of like how her mom does, like, I think Chris Jenner is like the ultimate 
example to these girls, her daughters of like unconditional love. Like Chris yeah. has shown she will do anything for her kids. She will yep. fight for them and she will protect them tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that that's what Kim wants in somebody that she wants to share her life with. So I think in all the ways, I think it's protect her, like protect their name, protect their, like protect her in all the ways that you said. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that has something to do with a reaction against Kanye and how he exposed her. Like on one hand, you know, he built her up as a fashion icon, which she really wasn't before. And he introduced her to a, to a world, a very sophisticated kind of fashion and style world, you know, before he went off his, excuse me, went off the deep end with his very uh, terrible views. Um, but I, I think maybe she felt that he also exposed her to so many difficult situations. I mean, the fact that he uh, became a right-wing extremist and made anti-Semitic remarks and was hanging out with white nationalists and with, um, uh, what was that name? The woman who, I didn't want to, Candace. Yeah. They also really an extremist, right-wing extremist. Like it exposed her to criticism that she didn't deserve because she didn't hold those same beliefs. Like she had to separate herself and her brand from those views and that behavior really quickly because that could have destroyed her, everything that she worked for. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the second that he brought their kids into it mm-hmm. was the last straw, I think. So, yeah, I think that that's why, too, she was saying it's so important that they're good role models, that they love her kids, that they don't come with that. Like, she just wants someone normal, it sounds like, to be honest. Yeah. Those things are all on my list, you know? Yeah. 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 With good values and who, I guess, who has the same values as her. I mean, look at, she's, she's got a fighting, she's fighting to have a law degree, you know, in, in her forties and to fight for criminal justice reform. Like she wants to help people Mm -hmm. and not harm people and not divide people. And so I think she needs somebody who's got the same values that she has. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I hope she finds that person. I mean, reportedly now she's she's having subtle flirtations with somebody that she's interested in. Um, Us Weekly had reported that and that she's she's interested in someone, but we don't know who and she's going to keep it low key, uh, but that she's really excited about them. So we will see. She definitely needs somebody who's very... Um, confident in their own self and also who makes their own money and that she doesn't have to feel like they're a fortune hunter because she is, she's got a billion, a billion dollar business. And she also like in her list, it sounds a lot like she wants somebody like almost that she'd want like a, like a, like not a celebrity, but somebody with a lot of money, like almost like a Jeff Bezos type, but like not old, you know, like a young Jeff Bezos that isn't like wheeling and dealing in the public eye. They're more so like in a board, you know, she needs like a producer or something like she wants somebody who's going to, she, she needs a gardener as we talk about our sunflower. She's a gardener. 
can't, she's not, and and it sounds like she wants one. Like, she's like, I want someone who's happy for me. I want someone who supports me. Like she's saying those things, which, you know, aren't bad things whatsoever, but like, she's not going to do well fighting for the spotlight with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And also somebody who, you know, is comfortable with and has their own identity because she has such a strong identity. Right. And he's had so much success. They can't be envious of her success. Right. They and have to applaud yeah. it. At the same time, like we know about Kim that she loves to like not go out. Like she's definitely a homebody. She likes to stay in, she likes to be private. And so she needs somebody who like allows for that isn't like bringing her out all the time like do it you know that someone she can like come home to be herself and sit home and eat popcorn with but when she wants to go out they're supportive and they're there and they're on her arm you know yep yeah and it's funny because I think in a lot of ways like Pete Davidson you know had a a lot of those qualities in that he was comfortable with himself he had his own success he didn't care about her money and I think he was protective. And I, I think the fact that he was very funny and, you know, made her feel good. And he, I think had the same values. He just wasn't at the right stage in life for her. I mean, she's got four kids. Right. Agreed. Much more, you know, she's further along. Definitely. Um, now, before we um, end up today and go right into our amazing interview uh, that we have for everybody today. Let's briefly talk about Celine Dion because it's just so heartbreaking. Had to cancel her world tour amid her health issues. Um, So sad, Bonnie, what do you think? Oh, I just think it's, it's really sad and it's so unfair that Celine Dion has, has got stiff person syndrome which is an autoimmune disease that causes a lot of spasming and and muscle stiffness. And she said it's affecting her ability to sing and singing is her gift. It's her life and she loves it. And she's, you know, incredible at it. And to have, to be robbed of that um, is like just so unfair. And yet she's, she's got such grace and, you know, her concern is for her fans that she isn't going to yeah. be able to deliver. And so she's canceled her tour. It's really heartbreaking. Um, and she's just so, so talented. It's just such like a waste. It's, it's mm-hmm. awful. Um, so yes, as you said, she has a stiff person syndrome. Um, People Magazine spoke to a source um, and a, someone close to Celine that said that her, the goal is for her to be able to tour again. Uh, she's not giving up and she's just focusing on her health, but felt it was unfair to continue to postpone shows. And which I see that honestly, that these people spent money, they're postponed, blah, 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 you know, give them their money back. And the next time she comes around, they can go. Um, fans will be there for her. Fans will be there. Ready, they will be there supporting her. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, it's so heartbreaking, like I said, that she um, is unable to continue this tour, but fingers crossed and and like all of the prayers and healing vibes to her that she will one day be able to get back out on the road because uh, she's such a talent. Well, I hope that, you know, even if she can't tour, if she could be able to perform or give concerts, she lives in Las Vegas, you know, 
do some one-off shows for her fans. Like if that would be easier for, I know it's really hard though, like financially to mount productions, it's so expensive. And so, you know, can you, can you afford to do that? Put all that work into a production and only be able to do it, you know, two or three times, maybe it's just, but it would be wonderful if, cause then, you know, she could, I'm sure it would give her joy to perform and at least to reach some of her fans. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I'm just happy that she's like taking all the measures. I'm sure she has the best care in the world. Oh, yeah, of course. To help her through it. And, um, you know, just we're going to keep, keep holding out hope for her for sure. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, she's got, I mean, she's had a, a, a tough few years, you know, she lost her, her husband, who was quite a bit older than her, but who really nurtured her since she was a teenager, was her manager. And, you know, she got older, she grew to love him and it turned into romantic love. So, you know, losing somebody like that, that she loved so much was so important. Thank goodness she's got her kids. Yes. You know, it was a struggle for her to get pregnant. And now she's three wonderful, wonderful boys. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, now we will transition right into our interview with Natasha Yvette Williams of Some Like It Hot. Guys, keep listening and let us know what you think. Make sure to come back every Tuesday for new episodes and have a great rest of your day. Yeah. guys we're here with the Hollywood Life podcast and we've got a really special guest today and a very timely guest um but before I introduce her um uh, let's I'm gonna say hi to my co-anchor Ali Stagnita hello Ali hi Bonnie yes so excited to have this guest on um as I said last week, we are continuing uh, to spotlight some of these Tony contending uh, Broadway stars this season. The show is about two weeks away, 10 days away on June 11th. Um, And so we're so excited to have this guest. Bonnie and I saw the show, (laughs) sat side by side, and we're just gushing the whole time over it. So um, Bonnie, I will let you introduce our special guest. Okay. Well, listen, everybody has got to meet our guest and to see her show. Um, So it's Some Like It Hot. It was nominated for 13 Tony Awards and our guest was nominated for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Everybody welcome Natasha Yvette Williams. Hello. Hello. Hey, thank you for having me. So good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. And listen, you are one hardworking person because we happen to be taping this at 1030 in the morning and uh, you performed a show last night. You you are a working, working woman. (laughs) (laughs) I did perform. You know, I actually had four events yesterday. Wow. Yes four events yesterday and the last one was after my show I ran up to um oh my god below for a concert and sang with a friend but just one song I just sang like lean on me the song um with him at uh 54 below last night after the show his show started at 9 30 and then when mine ended I ran up the street and um and did that and then I came home got up this morning and did my whole routine and uh I'm taking B12 shots, so I have a little bit more energy. 
And <laughs> well, and I'm just trying to be in every moment. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be taking something healthy because this show, Some Like It Hot, it is fantastic. And you have got a very critical lead role, um, a woman uh, called Sweet Sue, who's kind of like the epicenter of this show. You introduce it. You are you are the character that brings all the other characters together. Mm. And, you know, the show originally was a movie with, I mean, some like it hot. I think a lot of our right. audience may know from the very classic film yes. um, that starred Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. And, you know, it was, it took place in the 1930s. It, it still takes mm -hmm. place, the play mm -hmm. in the 1930s. But, you know, you're a very liberated modern woman in this. Yes, I am. Too. <laughs> yes, I am. We um the creative team has uh taken um a very intentional, very intentional steps for uh several different reasons in a, in the show, in the musical, some like it hot. Um I love the movie, it's classic, we love it, all of those things. And and the story is basically the same, but we've sort of modernized some of the ideas and saying some things that they fr quite frankly just couldn't say in uh, 1959. Mm -hmm. Um so yes, yeah, Sweet Sue is not a big character in the movie. Like when I got the audition, I had to go back and sort of watch it because I was like, I know this movie, but I don't remember Sweet Sue. And um, and she's not that big a character in the in the in the movie. But I had like three songs in front of me and three big scenes, and I was like, oh, they're doing something different with her in the musical. So she is sort of like the I like to say the glue uh, of the yes. show. I don't yeah. know. I think I'm the only one that says that, but um, <laughs> sort oh, of, no, we're saying you it. Know, <laughs> Sort of people, things revolve around her and she thinks she's in control of stuff and, but she's really very dependent on the women and they sort of keep her going as well. Give her as much as, as she gives to them. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. open the show too. I mean, you're the first person that we, that we're introduced to. Now that's, that's pretty, that's pretty much the joy of my life to have that curtain rise, have the people clap or scream or whatever they do or be silent. Sometimes they're just, you know, just taking it all in, but to start this Broadway show and to stand at center stage and do that is is really, I don't exactly. know. It's, it's just an extraordinary for me to be able to must, do that. Must be an extraordinary feeling. Mm -hmm. Tell mm -hmm. us, for our listeners who have not seen the show and may not have even seen the film, which was, as, as you mentioned, it was produced and came out in 1959. Tell mm -hmm. us what the plot is, what the story is mm -hmm. about. The plot is about these two musicians who are friends, very good friends, and they are musicians and and witness a murder, um, a gang murder, or a, what is it called? A gangster murder. <laughs> or, you know, it's like the mob-ish kind of uh, setup. And um, they witness this murder and the, the, the murderers witness them. So they're chasing them. And so they decide to go into disguise, join a join a girl band, travel across the country to escape um, being murdered by these gangsters. And the, the, the show is about what um, the journey, the journey, basically, the show is about them joining this club and us going cross country to join this band and um, make music escape. And then we sort of find out how uh, life changes them, changes them, changes us and um, all of the occurrences that happen around this escape flight. <laughs> and it's um, during Prohibition, which- is that um, during Prohibition? Is... We're going, you know, the movie I think was set in, in Florida down south and we have changed that to go out west to california um we start in chicago that's where it's it begins and um 
And so we moved to to out west because it's set in the 30s during prohibition. And I'm a black woman leading this band during this time and trying to find spaces that will be welcoming um, for us, if, if not welcoming, at least tolerant uh, for the band to make money, to grow and all those kinds of things to, as we travel across the country. So the South really wasn't an option for us. <laughs> That's right. I mean, realistically, it wasn't in the, in, uh, the 1930s. Right. Um, it, it just wasn't safe and you wouldn't have been able to find places to stay with your band. No, none of that. And Unless I had the green book. Unless I had the green book, but we right. didn't want to do that. Right. Well, that, yes, that would have like, <laughs> kind of made the focus of the show. <laughs> I mean, but the show deals with so many interesting issues because, you know, the two main characters have to become, mm -hmm. take on female personas. Right, right. And it, it really affects them in such major ways. Like one character turns out to really be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. A woman. And so it talks about gender. It yeah. talks about racism. Mm -hmm. It talks about women and, mm -hmm. and women being strong. Yep. And Sorry, Ali, what did you say? Oh. And like equality, like, yes. And just seeing how women yeah. are treated versus men. I think that that's such a. Yes. Major. Uh, I think they've, they've been very, very smart about tackling a lot of different things without beating people over the head. Right. Um, we talk about, I mean, cause I start the show, I'm working for someone else and I decide, look, I, we're going to do my own thing. I'm tired of getting arrested. I'm tired of, you know, all this other stuff that comes along with me having to listen to other people. So let's take our, let's get an all girl band. Let's go on the road and not deal with these men at all. Not knowing that we're dealing with men the whole time because they're yeah. sort of, um, you know, hiding and, and running. So we develop relationships with all, with all of the women. I mean, everybody has decided who they are. Some women in our group can't read. So they come to me with different things. Um, you That's not a part of the story that you see, but we yeah. all have lives um, uh, that we're developing as the show goes on. And so all of, all of us are sort of intertwined with um, Jay and Christian as they play these characters. And um, it's just a fascinating thing, but our creative team has been very, very, like I said, intentional and and specific about the the, the messages that we wanted to get out and um, the way the story is portrayed. And that's through diversity and inclusion and, and creating space for everyone, including women to be empowered um, to to lead and be bosses as we as we travel the country. Yeah. Right. And the women in the in your band are a very diverse group. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yet they all totally bond together. Yes. And they learn, I think, a lot from you because you see, you really are very empowered about not mm -hmm. taking any BS right. from right. men who don't want to pay you equally because right. man right. is female mm -hmm. and like for standing up for yourself and for all the women. And I think it, empo it, it empowers, but as you say, it is such a fun show yeah. that it tackles all of these subjects and that are serious and yet. Right completely entertaining mm -hmm, and funny. Mm -hmm. yeah completely life like yeah. <laughs> you know, life like <laughs> and very real and people can identify with those things and i think that's what makes it so i, th I think that's what the, makes the movie classic and it also what makes um the musical um hopefully a classic as well as we as we continue to um uh and delight audiences with it and learn we're, we're growing every time because the audiences are different our reactions are different and so we're just sort of growing as it grows. So it's a, it's a really a beautiful thing because it's teaching us, teaching people how to have conversations about subjects that aren't um, everyday subjects. They are everyday now in our society, but you know, they're not necessarily always comfortable conversations. So um, 
So I think I think it's a great thing. The show's doing I, some great. Yeah, I thought too. Just was what was really um, what carried through the story from you know the '30s, the '40s to today that I felt mm -hmm. was like the safety that women feel when around each other, like. Mm -hmm those women are yeah. traveling cross country on a train right, right. among each other and among you as their leader, mm -hmm. like they mm -hmm. feel safe and protected. And like, I think that that's something that even today I feel among and surrounded yeah. by women safe, yeah. seen and empowered. Right. Um, and it's just something that, you know, really stood out to me as like that withstood the test of time with it. I think that's the thing about this group is uh, I have a line early on it's in one of the songs that I said if we all work as sisters we simply can't fail if we all work together um and everybody that's in the group needs something I mean we obviously know what what Daphne and and uh Josephine's character they need the safety and protection of hiding with us to run from the gangsters but every single one of these women needs something sugar needs um to make better choices in her life and to, yes. to sort of have the opportunity to do that. Um, all of, like I said, all of the women have decided whatever it is that they need. And we, we have to make this band successful for our own survival. So mm -hmm. as we band together, that bond becomes stronger as we go place to place and we encounter all of these things that we encounter. Um, but I think that is definitely true of our society. If all of us, uh, women, men, other anything any everybody would just band together and listen to each other we could get along better we would find that safety in country find that safety in belonging um if we just band together and listen to each other we don't have to agree at, at every point we know all of the women are very diverse we are not the same but if we decide that our goal is to um progress and survive then we have to listen to each other and come together. So that's what the the show does. That's what the um, band has com is committed to doing. And um, I think if we would commit to that in our society, we would be in a lot, you know, in a better place as well. Oh, totally. Couldn't agree with mm. you more. Instead of mm. dividing everybody. Exactly. Would be, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Instead of dividing. Mm -hmm. Now, when Kelly and I were in the audience, you know, that the our audience was cheering and yeah. laughing and hooting. Yeah. And they were cheering, you know, about love, like between Daphne, mm -hmm. who was a guy, Jerry, mm -hmm. who was Jerry Daphne, Jerry? Mm -hmm. who actually ends up really see, feeling that they themselves are now yeah. a woman, and then yeah. they get married, and the whole audience cheered. Yeah. Now, you know, there's certain states. Does it blow you away that there are states today? I think. Tennessee, mm. Florida, where this mm -hmm. show probably couldn't even be performed because there are performers in drag and drag. It does shows. blow me away. It does blow me away that somehow uh, lipstick and heels are more dangerous in the minds of some people than guns, than bullets, than um, assault weapons and rifles. It does blow my mind that there are people that are less concerned about the welfare of individuals and the state of mind that individuals are in um, that they want to attack something that gives anybody um, pleasure or a sense of uh, feeling more like themselves. It's, it, it's mind blowing, it's mind boggling and it is um, very sad, it makes me very sad. Yeah, like mm. they wouldn't be able to have this children see this show yeah. And yet I'm sure that you get many children, young people, 
in your yeah. audience because it's funny. Like it's a funny sure. show. The it's funny. Are incredible. The dancing's incredible. It's funny. It's it's and we get children that have um uh, uh questions answered for themselves, um, have a way uh, to, and parents who also have a way or a, a vehicle to sort of open a conversation about children, about their children. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a parent and I just want my kids to be in a better position than I am in every part of my life. I want them to be more vocal than I was. I want them to feel more comfortable about themselves than I was. And any tools that we have that to be able to do that for young people, I think we should explore. And again, it is about listening to, to anything that is different to you, than you, as opposed to shutting and be, shutting down and being divisive and just burying our heads in the sand um, because it's something that is uncomfortable. Um, and I think it's I think it's a detriment to our society, and I and I don't think it can last. It can't possibly last. Um, but it is painful as we walk walk through um, opening people's eyes to discussion and to openness for everyone. Well, and it's yeah. like you said in the beginning too that you know the show has so many lessons and has so many themes and and important topics without but but it's not like hitting you on top of the head with yeah. it. So yeah. it's very accessible. Mm -hmm. to yes. kind of like sit in it watch it and then like chew on it a little bit like it's it's very but it's accessible for so many people it's not raunchy it's not right. like it's not in the least it, it's right. life it's life yes honestly yes. it is I think that's exactly right the, the the need for these two guys to save their lives and dress up anybody can understand that um, and what I think is surprising to those that might have a different opinion, once they see the journey that they're on and see the evolution of these characters and how they um, redeem themselves, get better, meaning get better falling into who you think you, you are, get better changing your perspective, because Josephine is 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 not necessarily a, a savory, I mean, and what is it, unsavory character in terms of um, being a trickster or a slickster most of the time. And he falls in love and finds and wants to change as well. So right. he was a womanizer before yes, he became a exactly. woman and then exactly. fell in love with sugar. So change, you know, change some changes. It changes us as as time should do and as as growth should do. And as relationships should do, as we begin to to form relationships and, and be a better person because of how how, how that relationship brings things brings things out of us and brings things into us. So um, I think that's what uh, relationships are all about, and that's what the show is is highlighting and um, celebrating. And we do it through laughter, song, and dance, and storytelling. So it's just the perfect kind of uh, traditional Broadway show that is current and modern. Yes. Now, how how old are how many kids do you have? Because you know, you know, you told us you got up because right. you have kids. I got like, kids. kids all I got day. a wide array. I have yeah. a set of twins that I birthed. They're twelve, and I have a bonus daughter and son that are thirty six and thirty seven. So, um, my husband has had two older children. So, and so I have four. I have four kids. Wow. <laughs> Natasha, we have to talk about your Tony nomination because yes. so I talked to you at Meet the Nominees short, like two days after, and you- And you look like, just as pretty today at 1030 in oh the morning as you did that I day. definitely don't, but you. Your skin is glorious, <laughs> glorious. Okay, go ahead. I, just I said, I, I literally was like, I'm staying around Broadway people my entire life. Like I have never felt more complimented. 
we <laughs> are so tired all the time and we look it. So we, when we see no, a fresh no, face, no. it is, you know, we come. No, okay, you, don't. you don't look it. You don't look it. So you, I mean, had tears in your eyes. It oh my was... God. I'm about to cry now. You, you, I'm feeling up now. So. How are you feeling? And even like spurring off of Bonnie's questions about your kids, like were, mm. what was their reaction? That's so cool. <laughs> my son, who's more sensitive than my daughter, um, uh, These cried. Are the, the twins, the 12 year olds, the 12 year old twins. They cried as well. Uh, my daughter was like, oh, okay, you did it. Great. You know, she's yeah. like, with mom, you're fine. You're great. She's pretty um, confident and secure with other people, not necessarily with herself, but she's um, pretty, pretty hard. My husband, um, I was at the Today Show with the cast and my husband was watching it streaming on television. And so he was recording the screen um, when my category came up and my name came up and then he started screaming and crying too and like he doesn't like me to say that he's crying I don't know why I'm leaning in whispering but anyway um he uh he doesn't like me to say he was crying but he was crying and just going oh my god you know I can hear his voice in the video as it's coming and I was doing the exact same thing at the NBC studio that he was doing and it just was an incredible feeling to come home and then him play that tape for me and then we cry all over again and I periodically cry now. Um, as walking down the street, different blocks of uh, New York City, I just start um, welling up. It has been a journey. I've been um, my first time I was in a Broadway show was uh, 2006. I was uh, eligible at that time when I started the show because the Tonys had a um, a first replacement category for a Tony. Mm. You could win a Tony for first replacement. But by the time the Tonys came around, they had done away with the categories. <laughs> so uh, and that's, when, that's when you take over a role. Right? That's when you take over a role. Yeah. I took over Sophia in the original Color Purple. Um, and I was, so I was eligible at the start of it. Uh, and then they did away with the category. So then I wasn't eligible. Right. And uh, so that was 17 years ago. And since then I've been in eight Broadway shows. Four of them were original cast and the other four were uh, replacements. So the replacements, I wasn't eligible. And the four times, of the four times, uh, one of those times I broke my foot the night before opening. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so I was, I'm listed as a replacement for myself. And so <laughs> again, I'm not eligible. Um, the other time was uh, uh, the Gershwin's Porgy and Best. I was eligible then. And they, uh, there were like so many shows. They were like, I don't know, 30 musicals or something. Uh, and uh, so there just wasn't room for my... Uh, for my nomination that year. And then the last time was uh, Chicken and Bis Biscuits was for my first play on Broadway. And I had a very small, my part was small too as in that. And I came in like on page 60 um, after an hour. But uh, so it's been a journey for me waiting and I'm always like, oh, well maybe the next one will be, you know, when I can be nominated or maybe the next year or next show. So um, next year finally came this year. So it's, it's, an, it's worthy of my tears, I think. And Yes. I used to be very embarrassed that day. I was very embarrassed about all the crying, but now I'm just sort of celebrating in it as well because I. You should. It's it's, it's yeah. worth tears. It's worth tears for me. Yeah, so. and it's a testament. It's a testament to your hard work and dedication for mm -hmm. all of these years <laughs> to you know finally get this recognition. I mean, I know yeah. you get muscle great, sure. you know, uh, recognition just being in the mm -hmm. shows and sure. you know feeling the audience and everything but this is so it's different uh, it's different and it's, it's a little it's a little validating and um 
and not that you need awards because I obviously 17 years I'm going, I don't need, you know, don't have to have them, but, but it is a, a, a very nice acknowledgement and um, culmination of a career that you've been trying, that you're on the right track. You're on the right track. And if you just keep pushing, and I also think it's just an incredible amount of inspiration to those artists every day that are beating that pavement and doing what I was doing and, and, and what we're all doing um, to know that, that, that you are seen and you might not get a, the acknowledgement, but, but just keep pushing, keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you going to be wearing? Do you know? <laughs> I'm wearing a gown designed by Marco Hall Designs. He is actually out of Newark, uh, New Jersey. Love and um, it's going to be, should I say my color? Yes, I'm going to say my color. Is that supposed to be a secret? I wasn't sure. Oh. Someone told me the other day, it's like, is this a secret? I was like, I don't think so. I'm wearing like a wedding, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting married. I'm not yeah. the bride. I'm, um, I'm going to wear aqua. And oh, um, I just went to see The Little Mermaid, which I love that movie. And so uh, my daughter, so I took my daughter, I had like an hour um, Memorial <laughs> Day before the cookout. I went to a cookout in the afternoon. So I was like, let's go see this movie. She wanted to go. And I was like, oh my goodness, she never asked me to do anything. Let's go. So we went to see Little Mermaid. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing aqua like The Little Mermaid. So I'm going to do my hair like a mermaid. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> And so it's, um, you know, so yes, I'm wearing aqua and I'm kind of like a mermaid theme, little mermaid. That's very cool. That's very cool. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, you're going to look fantastic. And do you have, are you going to be preparing a speech? I'm going to prepare, you know what? My speech has been prepared. (laughs) Okay, here come the tears again. (laughs) Since I was like 15 years old, (laughs) my mother and I um, would talk about well um when I you know when I was little from up until about 15 I think 15 we perfected the speech yeah. up until before that we were always practicing it oh when I win my Grammy when I win I don't know that I said Tony a lot because all I knew at that time was television and movies um and me- music you know so I knew Gram- what Grammys were I knew what the Oscar was I knew what the Emmy was even but I so anyway, so I wrote, we wrote a speech and I was standing. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Up and thank my aunts and uncles. And she's like, oh, you have to thank all the little people. I remember this oh. quote. That's what my mother said. You have to thank all the little people. And, um, and so I had a speech and I was like, oh, I guess I would like to thank everyone for who allowed me to be in this role. And I want to thank all the little people. And I would say that. Physically say that as, as we would practice these speeches. And I'm realizing now as an adult that there are so many little people that are giants, you know, um, my babysitters and yeah. people that pick up my kids or the people that help me with my lines, my husband, and all of those people that we, my mother and I just sort of joked about and we're, you know, just having this um bonding time together that these little people are so big. Yes, so, absolutely. And, um, 
so yes, I have written a speech. I got to go find and look it up. <laughs> I'm going to write a speech anyway, because I feel like I've already won, whether my name is called or not. Yeah. I really, it's, they don't even have to call it. I'm, 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 I'm great just right now with this feeling and, um, with this realization that, uh, that the things I've talked about for almost 50 years, um, are coming to fruition. And, uh, and while my mother is in heaven, I know, you know, she's with me and it's just, okay. And I have to say the little people at some point during yeah. that, because, um, because they're holding me up always. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that's, such, that's such an important point to make. It's so important yeah. because yes, you, you do rely and depend on all of yeah. these people. Like we all do to keep our yeah. lives going and to support us so that we can mm -hmm. realize our dreams and for sure your mom's watching i know it yes she's here yes. all the time oh my gosh <laughs> that's just such a beautiful special story i mm. like think about you know our moms are all our biggest fans and like yes, have yes. that moment um mm -hmm. so special um I, um I well i forgot what i was going to say other than um yeah i don't know it went out of my head yeah my um but my mom definitely was my biggest fan and uh I feel her now a lot. I, I when I did a uh, waitress uh, on Broadway, that's my mother passed during that time. She passed actually my three days before my opening, mm -hmm. and um, she didn't get to see it. And that was the first show she never saw. But I always felt, especially during uh, one of the songs, uh, that she was just sort of hovering over me for a while until I until I could hold myself up. So, mm -hmm. um, so I'm very grateful. Such a special show about like mothers and and yeah, their definitely. daughters. Um, oh, that's. Mm -hmm. Sure. It was a gift. We, it, it sounds like oh, oh, I just want to ask one more question. Sorry, it, it, it sounds like you had this. Um, you know, this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to be an artist, a performer, since you were very little. Yeah. Is that true? Like, when did Definitely. you know? You Definitely to true. I, like I said, I didn't know. I didn't know it was theater because I didn't have that access to that at the time. Um, my parents and I used to sit down after dinner and watch television. Um, and we were all always so happy. It was always so laughter. We were always together. It was a time when everybody was running, running would stop and we come together. I wanted to do that for families as a very young child. I mean, I like five or six, I wanted to be like, Oh, I want to be in the box, making families sit and laugh and love like, like my family's doing right now. Um, that's what I wanted to give to people. So I knew that I wanted to entertain. I started singing at like three in my church and that same kind of joy and adoration or you know applause and all that kind of stuff that I got at church was this was the feeling that I wanted to create um in other people um and that started very young so I think like five or six I had decided I'm going to be in the television entertaining <laughs> people and it'll be a bigger audience than I can get at my church so I'll do that and more people will be happy and and the more people are happy then I'm happy and I really feel like my my performing is like a calling in that way. And um so I just love it. That's it. I love it. <laughs> well, we have loved talking with you and we loved your performance in Some Like It Hot. And everybody who is listening must come to New York and come see on, come on, come on. 
So seriously, <laughs> we'll be rooting for you and for some like it hot. And Allie, you're going to be there at the Tonys. You will be on the carpet. Yay! You the carpet. Yes, come find me. I will give you a big good luck hug and just okay. and I'm so excited yes. to talk with you. Very um, great. And yes, we're fingers super, super, super crossed, fingers and toes. Um, Yay. And my fingers and toes. Yeah. Thank you so much. The time <laughs> Enjoy every moment. Of, I will. Of, I will. Got to go get me some more vitamins and yes. be at every moment. <laughs> more big sauce. Okay. Bye, guys. Right. Thanks for listening. Bye -bye. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye.